Hi, everybody. I'm Ralph Ben-Murgy. Welcome to Not That Kind of Rabbi, my uh, twice-a-month podcast that I do. And, and by the way, if you'd like uh, to uh, tell people about it, please do. Subscribe. That always helps. Uh, that doesn't mean you're, you know, hogtied to me for the rest of your life, but subscribing is nice. Uh, and if you want to support uh, what I do here, uh, I have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash NTKR not that kind of rabbi. So uh, patreon.com slash NTKR. Other news, I guess, uh, on uh, the 28th of September of 2021. So I don't know when you'll be listening to this, but uh, I have a book coming out. Uh, The book is called I Thought He Was Dead. It's a spiritual memoir. Uh, and uh, I've really enjoyed writing it. It's available everywhere. It's available on uh, Chapters Indigo, uh, on Amazon. Uh, it'll be in bookstores. Uh, so uh, my publisher is Woolsack and Win, and they also have it available for you on their website. So I'm excited about it. It, it was a very interesting thing to do with myself uh, to uh, try to be um, forthright and sincere and honest about the life I've led. And uh, throughout that life, how I've intertwined my spiritual uh, yearnings and practices to, uh, to really uh, try to find meaning in this crazy little ride we're on, this absolutely crazy little ride. Um, there's lots of people I reference in the book as well uh, who have some wonderful wisdom uh, to share. So uh, I hope you can uh, take a peek when it's out. Uh, you can pre-order it now if you feel like it. So it's called I Thought He Was Dead, and um, it's available. What can I tell you? Um, so I want to um, I want to talk a little bit about what's coming up in the Jewish calendar, which are the uh, called the High Holidays. Uh, and I'll reference the fact that there's a brilliant book written by a man uh, who was a Zen master, a Jew who became a Zen master, uh, and then moved from that to becoming a rabbi. Uh, he's passed away. Very interesting guy, Rabbi Alan Liu. And he wrote this wonderful book that really uh, is the deepest dive, I think, that I've enjoyed into the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, Rosh top of head, Hashanah of the year, top of the year, head of the year, uh, and Yom Kippur, which is the 25-hour fast and the day of atonement that we do eight days after Rosh Hashanah. Uh, And it's called, uh, This is Real and We Are Completely Unprepared. So this is real and you are completely unprepared, I should say, sorry. Uh, It's a great book. Uh, I would suggest it to anybody who is interested in their spiritual life. Uh, because he really does come at it, not just from the Jewish perspective, but as a, a practitioner of embodied spirituality in meditation and in Zen Buddhism. Uh, and so this holiday um, is supposed to be about the days of awe. And I think when I think of what's going on in the world today, what's missing for me, from us, and why we're allowing ourselves to treat the earth our mother in this way that we are is that we have lost in many ways, our sense of awe. I mean, your children and my children and we walk around this, these urban environments where we all live now. And if we see five stars in the night, that's, that's really something. Now consider the universe has a trillion billion stars, 
literally, 500 million galaxies, that the night sky should be covered in, in a canopy of stars. If we don't have that, we have a, not just a natural deficit, we have a spiritual deficit because we're not in place. You know, when you stand at the edge of an ocean and you realize the smallness of what you are compared to what you are seeing and what is coming towards you, that is what's missing, that awe. And without awe, we can't have the reverence and respect that we need to treat each other and this gift that we are living on in the way we could. We don't have our proper humility. And I've spoken about humility before in this program. And it's not about, oh, don't mind me, humble old me. Uh, it's about knowing what place you should take, what responsibility you have who you are and where you are. Humility can mean standing on a stage and knowing, knowing you have an obligation to own that stage, not to be uh, arrogant, but to be powerful and to own that moment. It could also mean to defer to someone else and say, this isn't about me right now, it's about them. And I think that that sense of awe is what I look forward to in the high holiday cycle. We take account of ourselves. And there's a very interesting thing in Judaism around the idea of sin. Uh, I think I grew up mostly with a Christian sense of, and I probably have it wrong there too, that sin is about uh, uh, bad deeds, but doing the wrong thing. And there's a more nuanced definition of sin, which is that it's bad aim, that we're not quite aiming at where we should be. Uh, and refining our sense of direction and purpose and aim is part of our task. So those are just some thoughts I wanted to share with you as we head towards this, because in about a week's time uh, from where I'm doing this podcast, uh, it will be the beginning of that cycle of the new year and the day of atonement. Um, and it really is a call to the universal sense of self and to an accounting as to where we are and where we want to go. So it's well worth doing. So that's it. That's my little drash, my little sermonette <laughs> from the hill uh, for you. So now I'd like to introduce my guest. My guest is here. My guest <laughs> is someone I think, you know, you never know with your memory anymore, but I'm pretty sure the first time I saw him, he was singing in a, 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 a acapella group called the Nylons at the Groaning Board, okay, which was the first vegetarian restaurant in Toronto. Harry Stinson ran it. I actually believe that was the first time I saw them perform. And I was like, wow, these guys are unbelievable. This is fantastic. And um, ever since then, I've always sort of, tried to figure out how that energy that came from not just that group, but this person, what sustains it and what keeps it going and what makes it stay so vibrant and alive. So Billy Newton Davis is my guest. And uh, Hi, I, I welcome you, my friend. How are you? I'm very good. And how are you doing? I'm doing okay, considering. I, I love that opening. I, I loved it. Uh, thank you for that information. It's always good to know. We should always know about these things because uh, we'll get into what you no, said, no. But, go ahead. But you know, my um, connection in life is very interesting because my mom was a domestic in several Jewish households, so I was raised, you know, in Jewish families. 
uh, and I'm so familiar with the culture. Uh, there's so I have so much to say about it, but I'm going to say very, very little. But you, you, you taught me some things about the top of the year, and <laughs> you know, those are just lovely, lovely things. You know, endearing things, and the Jewish culture is a very beautiful and endearing culture, and I always appreciate it. And if I'm invited to a seder, I always feel great <laughs> and lucky and wonderful because it's. You know, when someone brings you in your home like that, you you you're quite special to them to share that and to to learn and understand that. But that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, you might <laughs> say more. Trust me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so. On the other side of this was church, yes. Cleveland church. Yes. yes. Your mother really. Yes. So where talk to me about the church that's inside you that you got there? Well, I was five years old and I went, my, my mom and dad and I went to a church called Second Metropolitan Baptist Church in Cleveland. At that time, it was on Central Avenue. And I can see the church so vivid. I, I can feel the room, everything. But I also recall singing Precious Lord, Take My Hand in the front of the church, as a young child, I always want to say I'm five. And uh, the truth is, my mom was sitting in the front row feeding me the lyrics of the song. And that those were my beginnings. And what does that sound like, that song, Precious Lord, Take My Hand? Can you sing a little for me? Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, let me stand, I, I'm tired, I am weak, and I am worn, through the storm. Through the night, lead me on to the light, precious Lord. Take my hand and lead, lead, lead me on. Hmm. Amen, brother. Why did you do that to me? <laughs> What's that bring up in you? My family, how they love me so much, how they supported me. Oh, I gave them a rough time. <laughs> but how they supported me with my singing and, and my career and and all those kind of things. My personal life, they weren't so happy about most times. Right. But my stage life and them watching me, um, they loved it. And what it brought up recently was where they came from, Alabama and South Carolina, and how their lives were not so great. And how I never really, really knew about that. I saw it, but they never laid that stuff on me about 
you don't know where I come from. You don't know this, you don't know. It was always those things they were keeping from me and keeping me away from it and just giving me very, very little information uh, about the life of black people. And uh, so it was just full of church, family. Uh, my, I was an only child. Uh, my mom lost two kids, but I was an only child. My dad had a son, but still I was the only child between them. And I had very loving, loving family, crazy family. I have like 26 cousins, some are dead. And, but uh, very loving family, very beautiful ties always about food and drinking <laughs> um, and get togethers. Uh, but like I said, my, my mom was a domestic uh, for, for several years of, of my growing up. And my mom became one of the first black entrepreneurs in Shaker Heights, Ohio, in Cleveland. And she owned uh, a record store called Golden Voice Records. And then she was able to get this place at Shaker Square, which was like big time, upper middle class, uh, Forest Hill type lifestyle. Right. That, right. That's exactly, you know, just to relate to people of what Shaker Heights is all about. Put me in that school and just changed my life. But uh, th that's what that brought up. It, it, it brings up that those memories of, because I sit here and do wonder about who I am today and where that all comes from and why I think the way I do and why I feel the way I do and the turmoil that I have within myself sometimes, that Jewish guilt. Because <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I, I know all about that. And, uh, but yes, th that's kind of my beginnings, that little old church. Hmm. And then there is that other little church, the record store. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I wish that I had, I have to pull that photo and show a photo of, there's a photo of my dad and my cousin. And you just see all these 45s in the back of me, a counter, one turntable, uh, record slots uh, behind me on built that my dad built and album shelves and just uh, being there, sitting there all day, listening to the Motown sound. Aretha is my, she's my goddess. Hmm. She uh, is my mentor in song. When I bring myself into this music, it was a lot about her. But then it jumped to Sammy Davis, which then will, you know, jump to uh, what my thoughts were about Judaism and this and that and, and what surrounded that as a, uh, as I was growing up. Sammy Davis, you were in a Broadway show that Sammy Davis was in, weren't you? Yes, I was in Sammy Stops the World. What was that like? Amazing. <laughs> so I just uh, sent an email off to Mika Barnes. Mika Barnes and I are working on a project and I said, can I talk about this? Well, I'm gonna talk about it. Uh, we're working on something. Uh, he's doing his Vegas Breeze thing, you know, his Las Vegas, stick and I and his his partner Tom Allison has conceived started conceiving ideas about Sammy and me and that's kind of the name of the show Sammy and me and we talk about 
uh, when my when I was 13 and my dad took me to see his show and how enamored I was and how impressed I was. I mean, I had already seen him like on the Ed Sullivan show, but that was just the record store, the music, the, the genres of music, gospel, jazz, blues. I was just surrounded by that, Ralph. You know, when I think of uh, Sammy and, and others on Ed Sullivan, on any show, I always would marvel at mic technique, right? That as the mouth got bigger and the sound got bigger and the microphone got further away from the face and then moving in it, uh, Kurt Elling does it beautifully as a oh. current jazz singer in terms of mic technique, where he can yes. just drop it almost to his waist for a certain note and then bring the mic back up. And the other part, which we don't have much anymore, was the cable out of the microphone. And what do you do with it? How do you keep yes. it in front of you? How do you make sure you don't fall over it? All this stuff. And as a and, kid, and I, I studied the that. holding. I'm trying, let me see if I can find something here. Kind of. Yeah, you got to hold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and the, uh, you know. Trilling your fingers on it while you're holding it sideways in front of you. Yeah. Very interesting that you brought that up because that's kind of what I know. Um, right. I know. Uh, funny, I'm, I'm doing a gig and there was talk of cordless or cord, uh, cordless or cord. And I, I thought, no, I need cord. Hmm. You don't want to take that chance of wireless. Yeah. You know, just all those police <laughs> Police things yeah. that go on. Squad 51, Station 51. But it's very <laughs> funny that you bring, you know, so observant uh, because that's all part of it. I mean, the way you stand there, the way you hold yourself. I learned all that stuff from old school. And that would be Sammy, Aretha, B.B. King. It could be any number of them. But watching them, I would mimic the vocals. You know, I mimic the vocals. I, I think God blessed me with a voice and it's very interesting. But I can do a little Retho or I can do a little BB King, I, a little Ross. I can just do these voices naturally and, and they're not fake. You know, they're just kind of like, I learned it because I sat in that record store song after song and played until the customers would come in. <laughs> and then I'd sell and then I'd go back to learning Motown. I, I was I was enamored with Motown when that got really big. I don't even know if you're too young to remember. No, I'm almost your age. I'm a but, few years you know, old, a few years ago. But Stax Records, Motown Records. That's it, the whole the soul stuff, the yeah. Motown stuff. Sam and Dave and it was everything. Yes. Muscle Shoals. Muscle uh, Shoals, yeah. Just that beautiful, that those beautiful sounds and genres that I grew up on just set me up for all this. So you're growing up, you go from Cleveland to New York. Yes. You, you want to be on Broadway. Yes. Were you a triple threat guy? I, I wanted to consider myself to be a triple threat guy, but I really, I think at the end of the day, I always say, that's my go-to. Yeah. The dancing came late when I was 18. When I went to university, uh, you had to take a phys ed course. So I took dancing and then I got involved in the, the dancing, uh, you know, courses because there were very few males that were interested. So I did that for four years. Um, the acting thing, I just kind of slid by on, kind of felt like I was a natural. Um, I think you 
with acting, I think it's a different school now. I think you have to even learn how to not act. Do you, do you yeah, follow yeah. what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's it, like it, people don't The worst want... thing to tell you in an acting school is uh, you're acting. Please stop acting. Yes. Right? And for when you first hear it, it's confusing because you're thinking, well, I'm not being me. I'm, I'm supposed to be this thing, this other person. And they go, yeah. no, no, you're supposed to find the you in that other person and, and go. And which, come on, is not much different than uh, standing there and singing. You, you know, if, even if you didn't write the song, you got to find your way into Cole Porter. You got to find your way into whoever you're singing um, and make it your story, right? I think that I'm expert within myself of choosing songs that I love so that I can express the lyric and tell the story and not a made up story, but a story coming from me. Mm -hmm. uh, I do a song called, uh, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? And every time I sing that song, it just relates to something in my life that happened um, longing for love, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, longing for the nurturing of arms and holding and kissing and things like that. And when I sing that song, I can actually feel my sense of it and giving, and, and, and that's what I give to the audience. But triple threat, maybe not so much. My dancing became good. My acting was okay, but my singing was always in my heart. So yeah. I just kind of run to that and, and feel good about that. And then the other stuff just kind of comes because I move well. I can talk. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can express myself. You know, verbally. you know, I, I find uh, sometimes when I'm uh, watching uh, performers and, and friends, uh, and I feel like sometimes they they'll, they'll They'll just go from song to song. Here's my next song. Here's my next song. And I think we're here together. This is a chance to be together. Tell me some stories. Tell me why you are this song. Why, you know, will you still love me tomorrow matters, right? Tell me something that makes me then take the journey with you and create yes. more of a relationship. Because, you know, think, thank you very much. This next song is from my CD, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm here to get to know you and to feel uh, that universal touch, that spark we all have that says we aren't alone. We feel, we love, we hurt, we, we're sad, we're happy, but we're human. You know, yes. that, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing with the, and you with your gift? Isn't that what you're, I, that's what I feel when I listen to you. Yes. And as I was saying earlier, we're working on a Sammy and me kind of project. And uh, Tom sat with me and we talked about it. And then when I came back with him and we started just, we're working some stuff out. I, I was almost brought to tears in, in several moments because he brought up stuff that I had totally forgot about. Like when I was 13 and I went to see Sammy and I sat there and I was enamored, but he added little juicy bits and, and things that you want, that exactly what you're saying is what I will do because it's very easy to go from song to song to song. Yeah. But it's so wonderful to share the experience if you've had any with that particular piece. And everything that I basically have sang, Ralph, is I've experienced it some kind of way. Right. So let me talk to you about, you said your parents 
loved your professional idea, but the, your personal idea they struggled with. Why did they struggle with your personal? Well, I, they struggled with my, my homosexuality. And I just know it was just, it was foreign. Yeah. <laughs> like what, see, like, yeah. you know, COVID brings some things. I, I, I read a, uh, some beautiful books and I've read some beautiful black uh, books by Isabel uh, Wilkerson and I've read some Langston Hughes and I've read some James Baldwin and, and they really stirred up the stuff for me to think about how my parents thought. Black people are very interesting. Um, church is a really big, big deal. And I think that a lot of the non-acceptance of culture and lifestyle that's out of that realm is foreign to them. And so it wasn't when I see it now, it wasn't even so much they, that they didn't like that stuff or they didn't understand it yeah. and they didn't want to know about it. Right. They just didn't want to know about it. And they wanted to be grandparents. Right. And they had these ideas of their own. Uh, and, and these are the things that I've learned through reading about, you know, migration from the South to the, to the North and just how all that stuff came, came to be because before that, Black people were just on their own, doing their own thing because they had to. It was racism and you just couldn't go anywhere but where you could go. And church is a big deal. Church service, after church, big dinner, <laughs> talking, chatting, marriage, kids. It, it, it was just surrounded by all that stuff. But my mom actually thought that something was wrong right that's you know that's the hurting part so i had to tell her there's nothing wrong with me <laughs> everything else is wrong with the world <laughs> because my choices are great my father how did you wait how did you get that because it, you could have just internalized the shame there's something wrong with me I mean, my mother's telling me there's something wrong with me. Uh, what was it in you that made you be able to go, uh, actually, I'm not going to take this in. Uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with me. This is me. I'm okay with it. That's a really good question. Because I want to say that my, you know, my two grandmothers, they weren't happy about that either, trust me. Right. But they didn't ever, it wasn't a, a thing with they let me be that's they let my aunt let me put on dresses and wear hats and high heels and, <laughs> and then your uncle's coming get out of those things. <laughs> get, get out of, now <laughs> and and which is so funny because i i'm not interested in drag or you know i'm not i i, I love the androgynous stuff i yeah. love that kind of stuff yeah. but that's a i think the support of my own mind within myself telling me that I'm okay. I don't know how I had that ability at that time and at that age, but you know, it, it grows into you, you leave home, you become a hippie, <laughs> you become yeah. <laughs> uh, enamored with blood, sweat and tears. Oh yeah. Blood, sweat and well, tears. You, know, you start, I, I was in a band. You have to be a guy. 
but that's a no one's ever asked me that question. Is it I protected myself as mm. I kind of do now. Well, I, I, I try mean? to be nice now <laughs> about stuff. Bye. But don't mess with me about that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, it's like don't mess with me about don't abuse women and don't talk about LGBTQ two-spirit stuff and have negative effects because we've come too far to to have that stuff going on. I've always, always really been very supportive of women in the sense of, because I saw the abuse. I, you know, you grew up in the ghetto, you see women getting beat up and stuff. And I also saw some women take some swipes at some guys. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not pushing that either, but those were my thoughts. I protected myself. You remember that, uh, I don't know who wrote that song for Elvis, but on a cold and gray Chicago morning, another little baby boy is born and his mama cries in the ghetto. Because if there's one thing that she don't need, it's another <laughs> little baby's mouth to feed. In the ghetto. <laughs> you know who those girls were, right? Who? Whitney's mom. Wow. That was Sissy Houston and two other women. I can't think of their names, but they were which I just want to get to her because I was sitting in the, sitting on the edge of the tub the other day <laughs> of all places. <laughs> and I thought about Elvis. Yeah. You know, he made a bad comment one time. Right. You know, about, I believe he was the one who said the only thing that, you know, the black person could do for him is shine his shoes. And then I thought about in the ghetto. Don't quote me on that, but I'm sure that that, that came up. Wow. But not only that, Ralph, I sang at cabaret parties, don't step on my blue suede shoes <laughs> before, after the church, and you ain't nothing but a hound dog right. with, a, with a guitar, with, with a guitar with missing strings and just, you know, struggling. <laughs> but um, Elvis was big in my kind of head too sometimes. But I thought about yeah. him the other day. Strange. It's strange. You know, the longer we live, the more the, the Rolodex moves over and over. And we realize yes. there's a whole generation that doesn't know what a Rolodex is. Um, yes. So you take ownership of yourself as a gay man. You uh, get up there and you sing. You have four, you've won four Junos. Yes. Um, you, 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 you've done the thing. You still do the thing. You have tons of energy. But something comes into your life that I HIV comes into your life and I'm, I'm I don't want to you know I'm not like oh let's here I'll ring you out but what is what what is it given you and what is it taken from you well this lovely woman Sylvia Sweeney I don't know if you remember Sylvia she was an Olympic athlete actually I think Sylvia is a great basketball player or a soccer player or something but she's a niece or cousin of uh, Oscar Peterson and she did a documentary on me and I said to her um, real specific things I, I don't I don't want to talk about uh, my HIV um, I don't really want to talk about that part of my life I want to talk about my showbiz my songwriting uh, but also I don't want to be outed that you know, I don't want the world. You don't want them to see you as someone who has an illness. 
who has an illness, especially at that time. Yeah. And I can't even remember when it was, but I know it was like some 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. But anyway, we're sitting in the interview like you and I. I'm having a great time. And she hit that button. And I sat there and I thought in my mind, I thought we weren't going to talk about this. (laughs) And I let it go. And I broke. And I know there was a tear. And I just let it flow. And I started telling her about that part of my life because it was something that you will say to yourself, I will never get that. That will never happen to me. I will never have to deal with that. And when that diagnosis came was when I signed to Sony those years it was and I and I got the flu and I got really sick and I had to go to the doctor and and I'll go back to Sylvia and he told me that and I was in the middle of young and Dundas bawling my eyes out because I was just launching the career with Sony Music and all these great things were going to happen and it just kind of wore me down. Long story short, I think it was one of the best things that ever happened to me to be able to chat about it and to be able to share that story with people, which brought me bigger into the LGBTQ2 spirited community to become an advocate of gay rights, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It just really broke the mold for me. And it, it was just an amazing thing. And, and I also realized me talking about it would hopefully have let other people speak on it and talk about it. Mm-hmm. No one was talking about it. The record company didn't know until after. Right. Because I was dealing with that with the record company as well, the, the homosexuality thing. I was in the closet uh, because this is something you have. I, I, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to redirect your thoughts about our first meeting, but we really first met on my career. And then I became an idol. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, you... And, and Ralph, See, that's what I, I mean about memories being like, no, I don't but that, know. But it's all good, you know, and I wasn't going to direct that conversation back. Uh, but, okay. it, but this has given me a moment to, you know, I, I've always enjoyed talking to you because you were one of my favorite people. And I, I remember uh, Val, I can't even remember Val's name from CBS, but, you know, she had me on your list. You know, I, they had me just going. They had me... Uh, doing great interviews and you're just one of the memorable ones. And that one in particular was very, very interesting in Edmonton because it was just sort of like, wow, this guy is very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what I want is you ask good questions. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And so now. Yes. We're we're both at an age where there's a, you know, I, I write about it in, in the book I'm, I'm putting out, but it, it, it's about, 
and in a positive way, I'm saying this, entering into the autumn of life. We've had our spring, we've had our summer, now we're in yes. our autumn. Yes. And so how do, how do we renew purpose? How do you, how do you keep your enthusiasm and, and your joy going? Um, how do you blend in knowing that you, you measure life in decades, not in eternities now? Like, how, how do we do that? I think it's our relationships. Um, you know, some relationships work out, some don't. Mine has worked out for 27 years with my partner. I love him. Um, he's uh, given me a lot of strength. Uh, and, and I've I've been very lucky to have that relationship, you know, and, and that relationship takes work. You know, it takes work. And we took each other on. The other day I said to someone, I want to retire. <laughs> and they said, you can't. <laughs> you can't, Blanche. Yeah, just. <laughs> so I do know that the music keeps me alive and the dancing, the dancing, even if I'm dancing in here by myself, or I may just have a church moment and play Aretha for an hour by myself and scream and cry and shout. It's the music. It's the love that I just continue to find in pockets and places to work on myself, to keep myself. COVID has been very, very long and cold. What a, what a beautiful way to put it, autumn. I mean, really, I mean, our autumn. Uh, shocking to have COVID and this is my autumn. <laughs> so why did you say to that person, though, I just want to retire? Well, you just... So I don't want to learn sometimes. <laughs> I don't want to study. I just want to have a cocktail and watch uh, streaming. I want to watch yeah, yeah, yeah. YouTube and Netflix and, that's, and cook. Right. And um, I think uh, age uh, puts you in fear as well. And, and I think you have to know how to handle yourself within your age and keep yourself going because I think some people take themselves out. Well, I just keep taking myself, dressing up, something I thought about with COVID, you know, sleeping, uh, walking around in sweatpants all day in a t-shirt just wasn't my idea of a good time. Right. So I was getting up, warming up, took some time. It wasn't overnight. Uh, but getting up, warming up that voice, singing, uh, being able to be uh, involved in some projects, some recordings. Um, but life won't let me retire. And I just keep going and I just keep thinking and, and I just keep finding something new every day to keep me afloat in life. I have a dog. <laughs> That's <laughs> wonderful. But I have some wonderful friends. I, I just have some people that have been around me for a long, long time. Molly Johnson. Mm -hmm. I love her. Mm -hmm. Crazy James B. They're, they're everywhere. They're, you know all these people. I know these people. You do. James and I have been uh, oh. kind of brothers for about 37 years or so. <laughs> and, He's so and exciting. Watch 
and watching Molly go through uh, all her iterations, you know, Altamoda and rock and roll and Cameron House and then Chanteuse, you know, yes. jazz singer. Yes. Let me ask you something. I'm always curious if, I mean, having a part of you that is church, that is gospel, is there God in your life? Or is that like, look, you know, I have no idea I'm moving on. Um, is there any of that, any spiritual practice stuff that goes on for you? So the secret for me is, you know, my mom and dad never pushed the church thing on me. Out of all the things that went on with us, I never had to go to church. I never had to participate in church, but I love the music. So I was there, you know, for, the, for those specific things. But yes, I have spiritualism within me. Um, <laughs> I did Scientology for 13 years. Oh, you did? Wow. And uh, that was a bust. But on the other hand, it was a great learning experience about ethics and uh, how to do things well and how to understand things and how to look at things and, and how to have a complete understanding about things. A lot of times people don't like something because they don't know what it, meant, what it means. One word can throw you, off, throw you off a book. So I learned some things like that. But prior to that, the, the, the gospel church, I have, I have that in me. Uh, mm. And that's just a natural, it's not made up. Um, but I, I've, I've never spoken in tongues, but I've certainly been filled. And I certainly can get filled up to this day if I sing like precious Lord yeah. kind of took me yeah. uh, somewhere, but it's a personal spiritual thing that I'm so glad that I have. And that, God, how can I, God is the good one. Jesus, I don't know. I, you know, I. Right, right, right. But I can relate to this big spiritual being. Right. And I think that that covers it. I think God covers every race, every creed, every color, every heart. There's a God in that somewhere that, that gives you that if you can attach yourself to it or make yourself available to it as well or make exactly right because it, exactly it, I, you know people who listen to my podcast know that i see that god is a verb not a noun yes it's not a guy it, yes it, it's a it's an action of creation which we're doing yes. all the time creating a song creating a, a moment creating a relationship creating children you know um, yes. Right. It, it's all a flow. And we're just in the human moment of it at this present time. So. Yes. Ralph. Right. Wow. That was very <laughs> profound. Because I think, you know, people just like I said, people don't understand uh, spirituality because it's Judaism is spirituality is Catholicism. I mean, it's, it's well, there's two uh, things, right? The spiritual the spiritual is the relationship point. Yes. To me to you, me to myself, me to, to the universe, as it were. Uh, yes. And then religion, I've always said to people uh, is, and people who listen to this know that uh, it's a fitness program, <laughs> right? It, it's going yeah. to the, the gym. If you don't, if you want a six pack, uh, that's nice. Are you willing to go to the gym and get one by working yes. your ass off for it? 
or yes. you're not. And if you're not, you're yes. Not, right? yes. Do you, like the person who wants to be a, 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 the best singer they can be, but isn't going to put in the work. Right. You got to vocalize. I mean, if it's a miracle that you don't have to, well, Lord, I praise you. <laughs> but you have to vocalize. You have to learn songs. You have to listen to other people sing and hear how they, what their take is on that. And, and it's very interesting to me. I'm very open to that. And I think that that's a very, that, that is greatness about me. So I, I got to go back to Scientology for a moment because I don't know anybody who's practiced it. Yes. Right? Not personally. Um, you know, what sent you there, what kept you there, and what made you leave it? My best friend, God rest his soul, Ed Love, uh, got me into Scientology. We were living in New York at the time. Well, I was on my way kind of to, to be with him in New York, and I met him in university, and he, the first big thing he did, I believe, was Alvin Ailey, and uh, he went on to become the choreographer and director for What's Love Got to Do It, Do With It, Tina's video. Yeah. I mean, Ed, Ed was phenomenal. But um, Ed was very disciplined. I have to, he had faults, as we all do, but he was very business and very disciplined. And I think he looked at me and said, you know, we just got to get you on a path because you're just all over the place. You're in New York. You just... You're going to all the wrong places. <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're kind of meeting all the wrong people. All the wrong people. <laughs> and uh, we lived in the Alden, which now is a condo. And uh, the C organization of the Church of Scientology was on the, on the main level. Hmm. And that's kind of how it started. And I met people there and then... I went on to go to the org in Manhattan somewhere. And then, you know, they have this place called the Flag Land Base. I got connected with celebrities. Uh, I got connected to Stanley Clark. I got connected to the Chick Coreas, the Gail Morans. Um, I never met Al Jarreau, but Al was connected to those people as well. So in Scientology, it is you connect so that you can get them in. Because that really is what you do. Right. You know, it's about me. Hey, Ralph, what's up? Oh, Ralph. Blah, blah, blah. Talking. You know, I fell into something really great. It's changed my life. And you disseminate. And, and that's how all that stuff. Long story short, I think it's, it's good for some people. But they were never accepting of my homosexuality. Don't mess with my homosexuality. <laughs> It, it, it's not something I made up. It's not yeah. something that I bought yeah. to wear. Yeah. It's me. It's my choice. I don't know why my eyes went where they went. Right. I don't know why I felt that way. So that was the most, that, that was the biggest, biggest thing. And I did well in New York. I studied. I was at the Celebrity Center there. And then I met people here in Toronto. And that's kind of how it all kind of got me here. Mm -hmm. Because there was a celebrity center here. And I met the CEO. And she and I just became really, really good friends. And 
she always acknowledged who I was. She would listen to the theories that, you know, there's theoretical stuff, but she just liked me as a person. And my singing, I, I, I come here, Deanie Petty, I met Deanie Petty. Deanie mm-hmm. was a Scientologist for a good, good while. And then long story short, I just, I was done with, I, I, I didn't like that discipline. I didn't like their way. I wasn't happy with them telling me who I was to marry or not, or who I was to sleep with, or, and 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 most of all, never tell me that I'm I'm not a nice person for being that person. Like I don't tell me that I'm not good, just for that reason. Don't you know that is just awful. So that was me again protecting myself. Yeah. And saying, no, you're not, I'm not going there, you know, with that. Some people need that. Well, yeah, you know, I try not to judge um, our, our search, right? Because, yes. you know, the search is the search. And sometimes we think we're on the path. It's really the path. And other times we realize, uh, no. <laughs> or this gave me something, but it isn't everything, yeah. that, right? And that I've got to now move on. So interesting. That was really, that was really, really good. That's a very, very good analysis. Well, you uh, don't sound like there was bitterness. It was just like it gave you some things that really um, support and love and, and, and interesting things about uh character and how to you know develop character as a person and all these things but i guess the other part of it was just like well wait a minute you you're trying to tell me i'm not good enough the way i am and yes i'm going to tell you one great thing that i learned in scientology was when you're reading a book never pass a word that you don't understand because if you pass the word you'll probably put the book down right but if you define the word, you'll get to the next word. And I, really, it, and, and even with songs, I do that with songs because sometimes, you know, a song will say something and will have different meanings. And knowing the meaning of things, Ralph, is very important. Especially if you're singing the song. Right? Totally. You, you need to know your story. You need to know what you're singing about. But, but as simple as that, but the ethics, the discipline, are, are very good things. And I was a party boy. And they had uh, a rundown that was really, really quite wonderful that I thought I actually had, you know, some winning, winning days. It was called the purification rundown. You, you go and you take all these vitamins and you do this stuff and you sit in the sauna and you just kind of sweat out the stuff. Hmm. And when I think about it, I sweated out a lot of bad life stuff. And it was like a 10 day, 12 day thing. But like I said, the, some of the, the discipline was great, but the culture, right. The story, some of those stories are just not good. Right. So now you're here. Now you're, sounds like you're in a very good place. Uh, New music, a, a, a really good relationship. Uh, but you're not able to perform live very much. Are you starting to get out there? Are you at all? Yes. Well, the, w- working with uh, Mika and Tom on the show is, is we're going to workshop this Sammy and me thing. If you, you'll hear about it. I, I'll yeah. be calling to ask you to come back. <laughs> um, 
but yes, which this has been very interesting for the discipline of a musician or an artist. I, I really, I went to, I, I saw my cardiologist the other day and, and she said something so interesting to me. Uh, Cause I asked them, how are you doing? You know, I asked, yeah. I asked people that honest question. She says, well, you know, I'm really, really good. Uh, she has a daughter that's a physician. She says, I worry about my daughter. I worry about my daughter being on the front line and being a doctor and, and, and that drives me crazy. But she said, Billy, I wanna say that the most interesting thing that I've seen is how people have really, you know, there are people who have mental issues and, and they have issues and stuff, but she says she's never seen it so big. Like it, people that you, I, what I'm saying, people that you never thought anything was wrong with them, there's something wrong and they're beginning to talk about it. Hopefully they share. Hopefully they'll go into the right direction and get, get the help that they need. But I just thought that, yeah, she really made that clear because you sort of think that, well, people that have mental challenges and things are having a rough time, but people that didn't talk about their challenges right. are finally being forced, I think, to show some sign of, I need some help, I need, to talk about this. I need some structure around this. Uh, you're home all the time. You're yeah, with it's your, nuts. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. You're it's with nuts. your family only, and it's nuts. And you weren't with your family. It's nuts. Yeah. And I think that that um, I want to get back out there because I actually did Aeolian Hall. Have you heard about Aeolian Hall in London, Ontario? Oh, it's a beautiful hall. Yeah, beautiful. And I got there and I had a bit of a breakdown on the stage uh, because I couldn't connect to what I was doing. Hmm. And um, finally I got on track. And uh, at the end of the show, one of the women came to me and said, I just want you to know, you are not the only one in ex that has gone through what you thought you were the only one going through yeah. because people haven't been on stage for a year. They haven't connected to something of that nature in a year. They've done it all at home and they've had the luxury of, of just having, you know, a confined. And then you get out and you, you just sort of like, oh my God, you're in the middle of the Atlantic and you don't know how to swim. And it's just like, oh, help me. <laughs> uh, so the, 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 there's a lot of help me Jesus around that or God please now you want Jesus well yeah I did before I you were throwing him out now you want him but yeah there was Jesus there's <laughs> Jesus but the beginning of that is, is making me feel really good about connecting again to people because I don't I don't know we don't know the end or something we don't know the end of this yet. Hmm. And I think that it's good just to get out and start practicing and start singing outside, even if you go to the park or something, but to break away from the lockdown. Yeah, I'm, yeah I, I certainly struggle with that. And 
just sort of falling into, oh, I mean, I still got two kids at home, so. I know you do. And I, I, gotta, I was like, just. Okay, cook, got to cook, got to make something to eat. Okay, what are we going to have for supper? I don't know. Where do you want to go? We can't go anywhere. Um, yeah. People are dining in restaurants. I can't go into a restaurant. This is ridiculous. No. Can't we just be patient? You know, all this stuff. Uh, it, it it wears you down. Um, yes, it does. And, but, you know, on the other hand, uh, when I see how some people are reacting to this, is it's about their rights and, and, and their, their freedoms. And I just think, no, it's about collective good and self-discipline. It's, it's about making sure you don't harm other people. You don't have yes. the right to get sick and make somebody sick and they die. You just don't have the right. Right. You don't walk around with diphtheria and go, I've got the right to have diphtheria. Not if you can have a shot that says you don't need to have diphtheria. Maybe it kind of helps. So it's kind of crazy because it's in some people it's bringing out good things, but in other people it's bringing out not such good things. So. Well, you know, I don't get up on stage with other singers with a bad cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But you now you it's like them, you let them know right away. Oh, I'm not feeling well. Yeah. And everyone then can manage their distancing and, and all that. Uh, but yes, exactly. I mean, they should have a dramatic recreation of what it is to be intubated. You know, where you you really have a tube down your throat. It, you can't breathe on your own and you may die. I mean, we should just have, you know, public service announcements where we see what happens to somebody who doesn't just get a mild cold out of it, but actually gets uh, either dead or real close or very long term because enough already right everybody's had it well that's what i don't understand you know i, I watch and, and i don't want to dwell on this but i watch just this morning I, I was doing tidying up and doing some things and i was watching a bit of, of stream on abc and i was watching a dad begging people to get the shot because yeah. he's now in the hospital on tubes and he's got a kid and yeah, he could die and i'm like thinking I've been thinking like this all along. I've yeah, been yeah, protecting yeah. everyone. You know, I, I did everything right. The mask, the gloves, the, just the insanity of it all. To Seriously, what I'm doing right this second, I know is helping you, Ralph. Just, and we're so far away from each other, but I'm wearing a mask when I go out. I'm keeping the distance. I, you know... When, when I can be in my friend's bubble and stuff, that's a different thing. But yeah, yeah. The, the other stuff is, is, is very important. You, you know, no one's that special um, that um, you can just go and just let your goodies hang out everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's a question of uh, collective good, you know, which really, you know, I was thinking about um, Margaret Thatcher, uh, her quote many years ago, uh, sort of a birth of popular neoliberalism, which is what we live with now, her and, and Reagan in the States. And she said, there's no such thing as society. There's just men and women and families. And that's it. And that's what we've inherited as the way to get by, right? Yes. Is is just every person for themselves and yes and no recognition of privilege you know uh, as a white person who stands there and says i made it i didn't have a problem yeah well if if you were an indigenous person and you were walking into this job interview 
uh, I wouldn't even realize how many biases I have as you sit down. You know, when people report crime um, or, or report uh, someone, when they describe white people, they reasonably accurate on height and weight. When they describe black people, they describe them as about two or three inches taller than they are men, particularly, uh, and much bigger. Because in their own mind, if a black man is walking around a variety store, you just think, well, oh, what's he up to? Just inherent uh-huh. racism, right? But if a white man is walking around, you know, he's like, can I help you? The Doritos are over there if you're looking for Doritos. <laughs> so yeah. we don't even realize that we're our, the unconsciousness of the choices we make. And so a lot of these things that we have had the time to, to for people to gestate, to sort of digest these ideas that where are we at? And it, it, it's a tough haul, but I, I, I don't want to get into the mega. I want to, uh, talking to you has been fantastic. I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for your music, for the uh, energy and joy that I've seen so many years of, you know, if Billy's, Billy Newton Davis is doing something, I can expect there to be uh, an honest and passionate and sincere performance and one that, you know, we can resonate with. So I, I, I just appreciate so much what you've done with being a solo act, being with others and uh, continuing on. I can't wait to see the Sammy show. Oh, I, I'm looking gonna, forward to I, it. Well, I think you're going to love it. Oh, I Sammy's, love it. Sammy, it underestimated. Sandy, Sammy Davis Jr., because he was so popular, truly underestimated. And talk about a triple threat. That guy had it going. Triple uh, trumpet player, drum player, tap yeah. dancer, dancer, actor, singer. Um, I, I mean, just I saw, I saw a drum thing he did on YouTube uh, a couple of years ago, and I was just like, I gotta watch that again. I watched I it four times in a row because I just thought he, he's not, he can't just play like th- this guy is all star level drummer, <laughs> and then he gets up and taps. And then he ends with a ballad and it's just like, Oh my God. So good luck doing the show, my friend. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, it's exciting to, to think about that. There's so much about his life. Um, and you know, that was another thing about how he set a, a path for me that I didn't have to go through all of those things he's gone through. Yeah. I didn't have, I mean, I saw a little bit of that, but I never saw what he, that's a whole nother interview for us. Absolutely. We shall do it <laughs> when it's time. Um, bless you. Have, have a, a, a good and safe time. Uh, I really thank you for your time. And I really appreciate that uh, uh, we'll be able to talk again soon. I hope. Yes. And, and have great high, high great high holidays. Thank you very much. Rush. Hashanah. Yes, I will remember that. That is That's so right. good. You see a nice Jewish person say, Shana Tova. I will. Good. Have a good and sweet year. That's what we hope for in this time. You know, every other Friday, you, you on a Friday, you take the hull of the bread and you dip it in salt to remember the tears of slavery. But every Rosh Hashanah, you dip a round hala in sugar and honey. And then you have people eat it. So it's for a sweet year. So may you have a sweet year, my friend. Thank you. And same to you. 
Billy Newton Davis has been my uh, my guest on Not That Kind of Rabbi. I'm Ralph Ben Mergi. Uh, if you uh, enjoy what you hear, subscribe, please. Uh, and if you want to support uh, Not That Kind of Rabbi, it's patreon.com slash NTKR. And uh, you can now pre-order my book that is uh, out now called I Thought He Was Dead. Uh, it's officially released at uh, end of September of 2021, but uh, you can pick it up on uh, Amazon or Chapters Indigo or in a bookstore after the uh, in October. Uh, but I hope you uh, you give it a read. Uh, I really enjoyed writing it, and I I hope I can share some things with you about. One more little quick thing. Yeah. Have we met Billy Newton Davis? Have we met? It's out. Oh, okay. It's, it's an EP hey, website. What's the website? Well, just BillyNewtonDavis.com. And right. all the inf- all the info is there. You know, it's all device and and, and stuff, man. All it's, right, it's excellent. So but thank you. I I, I should have uh, thrown that in, but I'm excited about your new book. I'm thank so you. glad that you're doing these things. Yeah, me too. Me too. You take care, my friend. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.